United Methodist Church. Loving as God intends through helping, healing, and home. This morning we continue our sermon series um, based on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is the chapter about love. And, and we're going to be reading again, we're going to start in, in verse 1 like we did last week, but this time we're going to read through verse 7. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I could to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of wrongs being done. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. May we be blessed this morning by the reading and the hearing of God's word. Let's pray. Good morning, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to be able to gather together, um, even remotely, and to be able to uh, spend some time in worship together. Now, as we together turn our attention to your scriptures, we ask that you might open our ears that we might hear. But even more than hearing, that you might touch our hearts. Make this be more than just ink on paper, but make this be an opportunity for us to commune with the Word of God. I pray this morning for a clarity of thought, and that you might hide me behind your cross, so that when I speak, it is the words that you have for us, and what we experience is your love and your grace, your mercy, your peace, your justice, and your righteousness. We pray all these things in your most holy and precious name. Amen. The verb relate. I want to take a moment and look at the definition. It's to make or show a connection between. For example, the study examines social change within the city and relates it to wider developments in the country as a whole. It can be casually connected. High unemployment is related to high crimes. Be connected by blood or marriage. He was related to my mother. People who are related relate to, have, conf, have reference to, concern the new legislation related to corporate activities in another way that it relates to feel sympathy with, identify with kids related to him because he was so anti-establishment. This passage of scripture is about how things, um, people, uh, people to people, people to things, how they relate to one another or how we should relate with people and things in our lives. And so I sat down this week with uh, a couple friends and we discussed like, what are things that we, 
that we are related to or things that we have a relationship with. Um, some, of the, some of the things we came up with are friends, family, neighbors, pets, earth, Bible, God, Jesus, music, sports, movies, enter entertainment in general, cars, traditions, homes, memories, heroes. For example, one of my heroes might be Brennan Manning. Villains and people groups. Now granted, some of these relationships are closer and some of them are further, but the fact of the matter is, is that we, we relate to or we have a relationship with all sorts of different things in our lives. And this section of scripture is, is filled with verbs. And, and the, what's being described here is how love ends up being these actions between people. And I think to an extent, um, things with which we have relationships. Love's credentials are laid out by Paul, both positively and negatively in this section. Um, positively with regard for what love does and how it operates, and negatively with regard to what it avoids and what it doesn't do. So, for example, uh, chapter 3, verse 4, which we just read a moment ago, it, it talks about this idea that love waits with patience. And while waiting, it's kind and merciful. And so you get this idea that there's, it's, it's about how, the, how love is expressed and experienced in the relationship through these different actions, or sometimes um, even inaction, that which it, but itself is still a verb. Uh, verses three, four, uh, or chapter three, verses four through six, offers a sequence of declarations of what love is not, in order to clarify what is characteristics of love. So it goes on and says that that love is not jealous. It's not boastful, not puffed up, doesn't behave disgracefully. And so you hear it again, right? This idea of, of an action, how are you behaving if you're exercising or living in love? Not Doesn't seek its own purposes. Doesn't become irritated. It's not keeping score of the wrongs that are done. And it doesn't take pleasure in unrighteousness. And again, I want to remind us that righteousness is a, is a term about relationships. So having a proper relationship is considered righteous. And when things are, when things are out of whack, that's, that's called living in unrighteousness. It's, it's that the relationship, the way that it should be, that there's something wrong with it. So then Paul... I love the way he ends this section with sort of this rhetorical flourish. He concludes with um, with characterization of love by a string of what um, of these most sweeping claims, right? That that each begin with this direct object, which is all things. I actually love the way that the NIV says it because each each becomes with um, love. Um, you know, in, in all things, never gives up. It, it and, and it just continues to repeat that, all things, all things. 
the this reciprocal character of love is, is something that Paul um, has already acknowledged in chapter 8, uh, verse 3 of this letter. He writes this, But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. Um, and some, some manuscripts read, the person who loves has full knowledge. Knowledge is, that, again, a relational term. So it's this full connection with God. And so there's this reciprocal thing that happens. If, if someone loves God, that person is known by God. Love is a two-way street that provides a context of mutuality, understanding, and relatedness between each person and others. Between God and believers, and between believers and believers. It's, it's this thing that happens in between relationships. And that's the context in which love enables us, with the support of others who are linked in love, to bear, to endure, whatever comes along. Now, to, to some extent, we, we understand love as it's lived out in relationships. But we should also live out our relationships through love. What do, what do I mean by that? What I mean is that I understand what love is through my relationships with, say, my family. Through my relationship with Denise, I understand an aspect of love. Through my relationship with my children, I understand uh, um, an aspect of love. And my understanding of love begins to grow in all these different relationships. With my parents, I began uh, early on to have an understanding of what love was. I may not be able to articulate it, but I began to understand it. And so I began to understand love through the relationships that I had with, with my family. And then, you, of course, you can extend that to my friends and, and, and um, the people that I you know, that I've worked with over the years and, and my neighbors. But I also understand my relationship with my family through love. Let me put, let me give you an example. On our list that we just kind of went through a few moments ago, one of the things that we have a relationship with is the Bible. At least as Christians, there should be some kind of relationship today with the scriptures, the Bible. We, so we, to some extent, we begin to understand, determine what love means through reading scriptures, like, like we are today, right? I mean, we're reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which in the title of my book says, Love is the Greatest, and, and Paul writes that love is all these things. And so, so to an extent, we begin to understand what love is through the scriptures, what love means through the scriptures. But we also then should be using love to determine what scripture means. Think about this with some of our other relationships. How does this play out? Like, if we know, if we can look at this and we can say, okay, this is what love is, and we understand love through relationships, but we also then understand the relationships through love, what does that look like? Right, so what what should that look like with, say, those of us who still have children at home? 
what would it look like for us to not only understand what love is through the relationships with our children, but also understand our relationship with our children through love? What would it look like if, if we were always striving to be patient and kind with our children? I, th I think of when they were, uh, my children were younger. Of course, they're both teenagers now. But I remember how frustrating I would, how I would get sometimes when you're trying to get ready to leave and, and all of a sudden there's this big fight about, I don't want to put my shoes on. Um, and how frustrating that can get. But, but love is patient. And love is kind. And so I, 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 I live that relationship. I understand that relationship through love and patience and, and kindness. Um, I, I, I don't have to always have my own way. I think about that in relationships with people that we work with, right? So I understand love through that relationship, but I also understand that relationship through love. I don't always have to get my own way. At Grace United Methodist Church, one of the things that we talk about is this idea that, that we, um, we work in teams, we're partners, we have relationships together. And I've, I've said in meetings before that as we come together, we try to work together if one person in that room comes out and gets everything they want, that they got everything they want their way, then we weren't actually working out our relationships as a team. It's, it's not irritable, regardless of how much sleep you got the night before. And it doesn't keep record of being wronged. Do we in our relationships? It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Or, or is it said in another translation, right? It does not take pleasure in unrighteousness. So we can kind of begin to see how that works out in our relationships with people. But like, what, what if we started talking about or our relationship with God? Um, I'm very thankful at times for God's patience, but do I show patience and kindness towards God? Um, it is, is my relationship with God all about me getting what I want? Or do I ever take the time to think about what does God want in this, in this world, in these relationships? Speaking of world... We, we, we have a relationship with the earth that we live on. What would it look like to, to, to consider that relationship through love? How much different would I treat the planet? And I, I can't help but wonder, but if we had thought about this, if I had thought about this, um, how much different might the world be today? But here's the thing, too. It never gives up. We, we don't give up trying to, to do better the next day. I listened to a podcast called uh, Baseball Tonight. It's funny because it comes out in the morning, but that's beside the point. But at the beginning of each podcast, the guy who, who is like the main person on the podcast, his name's Buster uh, Olney. And he always says, you know, hey, this is Baseball Tonight. Today is going to be better than yesterday. And I think that that's part of love. Like waking up every morning and saying, today 
is going to be better than it was yesterday. We don't give up. We never lose faith. We're always hopeful. And it can endure through every circumstance. And I know, I know that in some of my relationships right now, I'm struggling with that. My relationships to institutions, for example. You know, do I, do I continue to have hope in the face of what seems to be insurmountable odds at times? When we think about the, when we think about the decline of the church in North America. We, we as, as Christians, we have a relationship with the church. Are we hopeful about the relationship of the future of the church? And are we willing to, to together, as, as, these, as people who are, understand our relationships through love, are we willing to endure the hardships that face the church together? Or do we simply pack up and leave when the, you know, the, when the going gets tough, the tough get going? I remember being taught that as a kid by my grandfather. And so I think right, that, that we get it. But I want to share with you like a question that's been running through my head all week. It's... It's this, and I've been asking myself this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it in turn in, with we language instead of just I. But, but it is a question that I've been asking myself, and so I just want to share it with you. I understand this, right? We understand this. We can read this, and we can begin to think it. And maybe, maybe today for the first time, we thought more in terms of just beyond person-to-person relationships, but how we relate to the Bible, how we relate to God, how do we relate to the earth, how do we relate to institutions. Um, and maybe, maybe that was something we thought about for the first time, but, but we can begin to articulate it. We can begin to discuss it. We begin to understand it. We can even begin to describe it on how that should look. And so the question is this, if I can, if I can understand it and if I can describe it, what's keeping me from living it? And and the only answer I've been able to come up with is maybe something Jesus said. A person can't serve two masters. Amen.